but um yeah man it's it's definitely been a while i think like you said uh we were talking before we started recording the last podcast was with heike rugs mm-hmm. and i want to say that was pretty much like in the spring wasn't it i think it was still during my spring semester at fsu april yeah it looked like we posted in april so yeah Dang. but yeah it's... i mean it's it's bad that we haven't been on a podcast but it's good because we've been uh we've definitely been grinding a lot of stuff behind the scenes and uh, sure. this is that's kind of what we're going to talk about in this podcast. All the listeners out there is basically uh, how 22 has been going for us um, right now. It's November 12, November 13th, uh, 2022. So definitely been a while. And uh, we're just going to kind of use this as an update podcast to uh, kind of show you what what's been going on with gas money, um, what developments we've been making and just kind of how our mindsets kind of uh, um, almost changed in a way and improved just in terms of the business in general and our overall scope for us so um for sure. going back to going back to the last update podcast we did i think we left off with kind of talking about our thoughts for version two um kind of about how i think at the time we were looking to add this admin ability where we'd be able to still take calls and manually put in job requests to the app and um basically be able to not shut down the phones because we still wanted to have that client connection and at the time, it sounded like a really good thing. But looking back, and we kind of realized this um, after we talked about it, that was kind of um, not a growth mindset because we were stuck in that in that mindset of still being that local company, still handling jobs over the phone. And in a way, um, that was something that was really going to hinder our growth, we realized. So um, I guess going back, going back to when we were going with V2, there was a couple main features that we were looking at. I think the main ones that ended up making it were the invoicing feature, um, the more custom um, kind of scheduling where once you have a job on the calendar, um, it'll show you when you need to send that invoice out. And then just kind of redesigning the app in general to be more usable and more scalable. And um, that was kind of just feedback we had gotten the year before, kind of using it as a test run. And um, now we actually just launched V2, I think, what, two weeks ago? Yep, just about, yeah. So, um, yeah, we just launched it and basically all of 22, all, all of 2022, we spent kind of testing the app, getting feedback from contractors, getting feedback from clients. And all of this has taken place just in Genesee County for the most part. Um, I think we still have, it's about like 10 contractors in total. Uh, most of them are in Genesee County. And then we've got two of our friends who are in Kalamazoo. Uh, haven't gotten any job requests yet in Kalamazoo, but we used all this time in Genesee County to get that feedback. So now we're ready to start expanding and really putting the pedal to the metal. Um, Cause we got mm-hmm. all the user feedback. We, we learned what was um, wrong with the app kind of, we learned what to change and now it's time for us to start expanding. Um, and Austin, yep. if you kind of wanted to go into the developments we've been making. Yeah. I think just rewinding completely and kind of putting ourselves like where our thought processes were like at that time when we were like thinking about just making the app better and getting a version two going. Um, Mm. It just needed to be better. I mean, version one, it was launched in September, I believe of 21. Um, And since then until, I mean, it was, it was tough through the winter. I mean, we, we used it as much as we possibly could, but during that time was so difficult because of the services that we currently offer a lot of home and yard based services. So there's not a whole lot of things that you can do. Um, I mean, in Michigan, you got the snow, obviously, if it does snow, and then, you know, just other random around the home stuff, you know, moving furniture and things like that. But it was a difficult time to launch because um, we almost, 
you know, dipped our toes in instead of just jumping right in. You know, if we were to launch during the summer, that would have been perfect because that would have unfortunately gave us a lot of negative feedback too, but a lot of positive feedback and just more feedback in general that we could have used to kind of speed up that process um, and to realize, you know, what we needed to do, how to help, how to scale this, you know, in the end. And realizing that, you know, going through the winter and having those thoughts of, man, where is this going? I mean, just to put it in in general terms, I don't know if you want to expand on that, that initial thought that we were kind of going into the the spring of 2022 when it was our brains were scattered that's for sure yeah they were definitely scattered that's a good way to put it and um i think the biggest thing we've talked about this before is when you're in entrepreneurship and when you own a business there's really no set path that you're supposed to take um, when you're an employee you have your boss telling you what to do um, you have a good sense of what your direction is in the company um, but for us, we started out mowing lawns with pretty much no business knowledge at all. Um, everything that we've learned so far has just been through mentorships, connections, and mostly through experience. Um, basically, like up until that point when we got the app launch, we'd done pretty much everything just kind of on our own, almost not winging it, but um, definitely very new to the tech, um, the tech industry in general. Yeah. Um, like I know we've talked about it before, we outsourced the app. And um, now we're actually looking into uh, maybe getting some in-house development and stuff. But um, just up until that point, once we got the app launched, we were kind of like, we were almost like had to take a step back and go, oh man, like we got it launched, but what do we do now? Like, what are the next steps? And mm -hmm. looking back, we definitely could have um, launched faster, um, especially if we would have launched it in the summer, we would have been able to push it out faster. And um, kind of what Austin was saying about um taking a while like if we would have done it in the summer a lot of the clients would have not liked it because basically we would have had to for not force but um, encourage them to go onto the app and one of the things we've kind of realized is people don't like change um, whether it's slow or fast um, they're more mm -hmm. accepting when it's slow but I mean bottom line people don't like change and when we had to get most of our clients on the app there was a lot of them um, even though we gave them like a month, I think it was over a month's notice, just kind of yeah. explaining how we were going to transfer to the app and everything like that. Um, we helped them through the process and everything. But looking back with us being there to help them, I feel like if we would have just launched and uh, kind of pushed it out more fast than we did, they still would have been able to get onto the app the same with the same acceptance as they did um, with us doing it over a long period of time. Yeah, it would have it would have shot the the starting gun quicker. And in the end, you got to finish the race if if you want certain things done, if you want to win the race, if you want to get your lawn mode, if you want to service around your house, if you want to support a company like ours, you gotta you gotta start running. And that's the thing. And that's really what we realized. This kind of skips ahead a little bit, but with version two, um, well, no, it was it was still with version one because version one went through almost all of the busy time in 2022 as well. And we really realized like, man, if we would have launched just that much sooner, there were clients figuring it out either on their own or just taking a little bit longer than usual, literally saying they hated it like for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then realizing, you know, how actually simple it is once they they got it down and, and was it, were able to click around and finally like navigate everything. And that was towards basically the end of the summer for a handful of people. And then they said they love it. So it's like, it, it just shows, you know, what time can really do to anything new, um, especially if you have a good product. 
And, you know, it was, it was a decent product. I mean, it was obviously the MVP. Um, it automated what we needed automated, which is great. And that's for every entrepreneur um, that's going to go, you know, either in, in the tech field or you just have a product or something that you can change um, in the world and you're going to start a business to do it that initial product has to, you got to start somewhere basically. And no matter how great it is, how great it looks, as long as it gets what you think you need done at that time, you can always expand from there. And that's the only way to, to grow out of, out of that spot, out of that starting spot. Um, so basically getting back to that, it's like, you know, waiting, not necessarily waiting, but I mean, it kind of sucked because a lot of the development basically takes a lot longer still. I think we've had this conversation on the podcast, but a lot longer than we have ever expected. Um, and that's, I mean, a combination of outsourcing, not really knowing anything, being completely non-technical founders, uh, you know, working with Indian developers, all of those things go into, you know, that time on, on how fast you're going to get it done. And, but once it is done, that's when we kind of, you know, took a step back when we should have took a jump forward. I think now looking back, seeing that, um, you know, we should have posted all about it, you know, push it out, put on, put out TikToks, you know, did all of that, which we're doing now, which that's, that's going to be a great conversation once we get to this point, but it has made us realize, you know, and I want all the listeners to realize that if you have something, if, and if you believe in something and you put it out there, it's, it's all about just pushing it and, and speed is your, your best asset. Um, especially with the, especially with the company kind of like ours, that's um, scalable because I think we were kind of in a tough situation too, because a lot of our clients um, pretty much, I would say 90% of them had been loyal customers um, since mm -hmm. we started the company itself um, back in 2020. And we kind of had this moral dilemma where we knew that most of the clients were elderly um, we knew that if we pushed it too fast, a lot of them would look elsewhere for another company. A lot of them wouldn't like it. And um, I think we still, we did a great job in um, helping them get set up with the app. Obviously, um, we were there for them for support. And I think the real reason we kind of took the slow approach is because we didn't want to lose those clients. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in the end too, like client loyalty is one of the best things that we have with our company. Um, everybody that supports us in Genesee County pretty much understands our mission. Um, they've seen us grow from two kids just trying to mow lawns to um, two kids with the goal of getting an app across the nation, maybe across the world one day that could actually help young adults get real world experience. And um, the time that we took to kind of help them learn that mission and help learn why we're going to the app actually help them stay with us and support our company. I mean, we've, uh, we just had an interview on WNEM TV five news, and uh, we had so many clients that were commenting, like, so happy for you guys. Um, this is awesome. And it's cool because it's, it's awesome to know that we help them get onto the app instead of leaving them behind and focusing on mm -hmm. expansion too fast. So it's kind of that double-sided sword. We did, um, expand a little slower than we should have. We're still pretty much just in Genesee County. But we got all of that testing, we got all of that feedback, and now we're at the point where we're ready to actually start marketing, put the pedal to the metal, and start expanding across Michigan. Exactly. So, um, it's... And to expand a little bit off your point, too, um, with the client loyalty and also with just entrepreneurship in general, when you start your business, you sign up for one thing, but that signature actually signs you up for a lot more than what you think. 
And mm. to explain that, giving an example, um, I think Rob was just about to come back from college and we were, uh, you know, the version one had been launched and, and all that. And I was going to like, most of the clients, all you see them is, is at their doorstep. You know, you get your money and you talk to them, you have a good conversation and you go. And then you do that same thing. If it's a weekly lawn or whatever, you, you continue to do that. But what I didn't realize I was signing up for was that customer support, which honestly, I love it. I love, you know, seeing the confusion, not love seeing the confusion, but I love that, you know, beginning, middle and end where you see the confusion, you find the problem and you solve it. And then you help them, you know, figure everything out. And then you leave with both you, both you and them satisfied, um, which is a great feeling. But I didn't realize it was going to be, you know, as much as it was, you know, I was going into almost all of our loyal summer clients homes and sitting down with them at their dinner tables with their laptop, with their phone, with their iPad, and walking them through it step by step. And um, anybody in the tech industry that works with a demographic, you know, that's not in the tech age, I guess you could say, you know, 60, 70 plus, it can be difficult. I mean, you difficult in a sense where we understand it. And I'm saying the people that really understand tech either grew up with it or just totally tech savvy, understand it to a level where it's easy and it's simple. And that's, that's how we built the version one, but realizing like Rob was saying, the change in something being so new, it's automatically difficult for a lot of people and realizing that and, you know, bringing that out of yourself and, you know, caring that much to help them figure it out. That's what you have to do. And that's kind of my example of, you know, signing up for a lot more than what you expect. So getting through that and doing that in any business you start, you're going to have a lot of, especially at the beginning, if you don't have a team for it, the customer relations is, I mean, incredibly beneficial to learn, to understand people. And I don't know if you have anything to say about that too, or yeah, because I mean, you did most of the customer relations um, since I mean that we kind of like, we didn't establish roles. Um, we still are. That's one of the things we're going to do next is actually come up with established roles and everything. But um, I would say you definitely had a lot more of that experience with and patience. Uh, I'm not, I don't know yes. if I could have the patience for that. Like, I, um, I know I did help a couple clients um, get set up with the app and it was really rewarding just to see them not understanding it, me showing them um, kind of how simple it is to get it done. And after that, like they, they'll basically go on the app and pay on their own. You don't even have to help them anymore. Um, it's just cool seeing them transfer from that sense of confusion, which sucks at first, but then helping them understand it and realize that they actually have the power to use it. And another thing that's cool with that too is I'm sure there's a lot of people that we helped with the app that have also gained more experience in how to use other apps too, um, which is something that's really cool. And that's kind of one of the teaching aspects of Gas Money. Um, we're all about kind of helping develop new experiences that'll help people in their future. And with the customer support aspect of it, we were actually helping these older clients understand how to use technology. And at the time, that's something that wasn't really a goal of ours. We didn't realize that we had the power to do that, but looking back, it's awesome that we did spend that time with our clients and we we did make sure they could understand our company when looking looking back and kind of rethinking, we could have moved faster, but I definitely think it was good that we took that route mm -hmm. and um, getting that feedback and everything. 
So um, I guess after we launched V1, um, the MVP, like Austin was saying, um, we did a lot of that customer support stuff and really used it to kind of get feedback and figure out what we could do to make the app better. And right away, we were already thinking about making version two. Um, we got most of the things that we wanted in version one, but I think the main thing was we required the clients to choose a specific contractor for a service. And a lot of times a client doesn't really care who does their job. Um, they just want the service done. Like if you went on Uber and you wanted to get a ride somewhere and it made you choose a certain driver, that's more time that you have to spend deciding, um, well, maybe this driver will be better than that driver. When in reality, any of the drivers will do the job right. And um, that's, I mean, that a lot of the services that we have are pretty simple. So that was one of the main things we wanted to add just to help speed up the hiring process. So I would say at least like a couple months into version one, we already had a list of features that we wanted for version two. And I mean, we, we did kind of rush into the version two development and everything. Um, I want, I'm trying to think of when we started, was it early, early 2022 when we started working on version two? Cause I'm just trying I, to figure out. I the think, timeline. So. well, where, yeah, where it was in the talks. I mean, cause the last podcast we had was in April. Um, I think probably just after that is when we actually had a meeting with uh, Dayton LLC and, you know, talked about what some costs would be and and just got a rough estimate of certain things. Um, but until that, you know, we actually were like into it, that's, it's tough. I really don't know. I mean, we have some documentation that we could look at, but I would say, yeah, yeah like, like definitely before the summer, but 2022. Um, probably around so like may I, I would think yeah yeah because i think it was but, once i got home from college we really started working on it mm-hmm. and um another thing that we we kind of messed up with and looking back i think it was the right decision because now we've reached the point where we're ready to start expanding um the app is super good version two turned out great um but we did definitely rush into it and app development is not cheap um version two was priced at around I think it was a little over 25 grand. And at the time we definitely did not have the funds for that. Um, we were still, we were still above, we weren't negative in the bank account, but we had already basically reinvested everything into the app. We also put some of our own funds into gas money. And at the time we thought version two was so essential. Um, we ended up getting a loan um, from Austin parents for $25,000 and we definitely didn't put enough research into it. Um, we we looked into, okay, if we expand to five counties, we'll be able to make this much money. We'll be able to pay it back this fast. Um, but one of the things we didn't realize is the app was going to take so long to develop that version one wasn't yet ready to be scaled. So we kind of became stuck once we decided to go forward with version two and we got that investment with not wanting to scale the app yet because version one wasn't the best first impression we could give new clients. So we kind of lost out on a lot of revenue that we could have made if we would have expanded instead. Um, we were still pretty much just sticking with the same clients in Genesee County. And um, in a way, I think we were kind of jumping in too deep. But like I said, looking back now, we have version two. It's really a better product than version one was. It's a lot more of a better first impression. And now we're kind of at the point where we can focus on expansion and marketing. But that was definitely a lesson that we learned um, from that. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, a huge thing for anybody listening that's um, thinking about starting a company or thinking about making that next step with, you know, your product and, and trying to get 
raise money or whatever, you know, you don't have the money, or if you do have the money, you still have to think about it. I mean, don't just put something in, you know, a bunch of money into something that you just think is going to, you're going to snap your fingers, it's going to be out and it's going to make it happen. And you're going to make a bunch of um, your ROI is going to be awesome, like you think at the time. Um, But what happens is going back to that time factor, you know, you have to it's going to take time, no matter how much marketing you actually do, you know, you can get that in front of everybody, you can get it in front of everybody in the world. And they can see it, they can see, you know, a five minute section on world news or something like that. And a lot of people are going to think whatever it is, is cool. Um, but it takes that time and credibility to build something to that level that you can actually get revenue, you can actually get subscribers, whatever you're looking for. Um, and so, what we were doing, which honestly, I think was pretty smart that we did take a step step back during the development process, um, because you do want to make it, you know, your best, your best that you can at the time. And we believe that the MVP wasn't the best we could do at that, that stage. Um, so I think that that was definitely smart for us to slow down, you know, pushing it as hard as we could, and then get that that MVP going or that, that version two going and then push that out as hard as we could. And going through the summer, I mean, we're, we looking back to 2021, our goal was basically, we just wanted to step back from jobs. We wanted to push as hard as we possibly could to get contractors um, either in Genesee County or different areas in Michigan. And that's another thing, you know, if you set goals too high and then you basically don't do the things that actually take uh, you know, to get to that goal, then, you know, you're, you are going to be a little bit, um, you know, put down. It, it does, it doesn't feel very good when you tell yourself something and you believe in something so much and you do have to, you get a setback or five setbacks or 10 setbacks, but like that quote, I'm not sure if it was Muhammad Ali or something, but it really doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. It, it matters how many times you get back up. So that's, I think, why we are still able to push forward like we are today and why everything is happening like it is, um, because you have to get back up that many times. Um, and it, it takes a lot of determination. This life of entrepreneurship, I mean, if there's somebody listening right now that's just thinking about it, you know, trying to get into business, and um, it, it would be great if you're at a young age, because like I said, it takes time to really make an impact unless you're... Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, those, those companies. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, go as hard as you can at the time, but don't make a, a stupid decision and put yourself even further behind um, for the future. And I'm not saying that's what we did, but we definitely had a lot of realizations um, once we were able to get that money that we've you know, we, we were able to reinvest the revenue from 2021 to get, or 2020 to get that MVP out. But, you know, with, with the extra capital, um, it definitely had us getting a lot of uh, eye-opening realizations and conversations um, that, you know, helped us get back up and helped us keep going. It, it was a lot of just, you know, helping each other stay positive, I think, uh, through all of that. Definitely, definitely. And um, yeah, once we actually decided to go forward with version two, um, we pretty much gave the developers our plans, um, we wireframed it for them, and we got everything connected. 
And uh, one thing that we definitely had a lot of patience with was as it was being developed, there was a lot of issues that went wrong um, on not that, I mean, guess basically the developers end. Um, and that's another thing that was tough with us. We'd never really um, worked with outside outsourced developers um, from India. There was a big language gap. And when we did our MVP, we actually had a project manager um, that was helping us basically communicate with these developers. And for version two, we actually got to work directly with the developers. So um, if we told them something that we wanted done, we had to figure out how to word it in easy to understand English. And a lot of times that was tough to do when you're talking about complex functions in an app. So um, I, a rough guess, I would say we went to a coffee shop at least like 15 different days for like two, three hours at a time just to um, do testing, give feedback to the developers. And uh, I mean, if we look in our docs, there's probably at least like 50 or 60 different test docs that we've sent back and forth with the developers just trying to get the app um, in version two ready to go. And that was kind yeah. of something that um, definitely hindered the growth process a little bit. Um, mm -hmm just because we had to do so much testing and everything, it took away a lot of our focus from marketing, a lot of our focus from doing podcasts, uh, obviously, since it's been a while. But at the same time, it really got us that more invested into the app because we were putting so much time and energy into making it perfect for version two. And now that version two is actually launched, it just feels that much more um, that much more powerful or rewarding in a way, because we know that we put so much work into making sure it was going to be good. And now we're actually ready to start marketing it because we know that we put all of our time into making sure that it would be a good first impression for new clients, and new contractors. And like Austin was saying, one of the tough things about getting new contractors during the MVP is that we had a lot of contractors that would make an account, but they wouldn't receive a job request because basically when you make your account, you're going to have zero stars until you get your first client. And then they'll give you your first four or five star review if you do a good job. And for all of the new contractors, the clients were having to select which contractor they wanted to hire. And I mean, it's just human nature. If you see a contractor with five stars who's done 37 jobs, and then you see a contractor with zero stars who's done zero jobs, you're obviously going to pick the five star contractor every time. So we had kind of set up this barrier to entry for our new contractors where since we forced the clients to choose a contractor to hire, none of the new contractors were getting any job requests because they didn't have any portfolio or reputation on the app yet. And that was one of the biggest things that we um, that we added with the version two is basically those open jobs where a client sends out a general general job request and a contractor, all the contractors in the area, whatever the contractor pool is, will get that job request. And it's kind of that first come first serve basis that Uber and DoorDash and all these other gig platforms use. And that really lowered the barrier to entry. And I'm, I'm thinking that'll help a lot with expansion because if there's five new contractors in a new county, um, a client sends out a job request, all five of those contractors are going to get that SMS notification and it's going to get them back onto the app. And it won't feel like they're just signing up and not getting any requests, which is something that we notice a lot in the MVP. Um, yeah. So that's definitely one of the biggest things I think we solved was kind of lowering that barrier to entry for new contractors and um, just giving them that notification from the app for them to go back, look on, um, accept job requests so they can start building up a reputation on, on the app. Exactly. And really coming down to giving everybody an edge, giving everybody a chance. Um, you know, when you sign up on especially something new or even on DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, you know, all those things, 
every single person has a chance if they're out there, if their app is turned on, you know, they can, they can schedule that ride. They can schedule that delivery. Um, and that's, I, I'm not really sure why, you know, looking back, we had probably plenty of conversations on why we were going to build it the way we did for version one, but I'm not for sure why we made the decision to, uh, you know, put it in the client's hands for everything. I mean, for choosing the contractor, for choosing the date that they wanted the job, um, basically everything. But when I think we had a conversation with my cousin, uh, Randy, um, basically what it comes down to is the the contractor is our main client for the app. I mean, it is a double-edged sword, but when it comes down to it, our mission is to provide a, a platform for the young adults to grow their, their characteristics, to grow their skills, um, no matter if it's just hands-on skills, no matter if it's, um, you know, their accountability, their leadership, all of those things, that's what we want to do with gas money. And so it comes down to making it a platform that the contractors are in control um, because that's how we started. You know, we started door knocking. We had our control of our own schedule, of our own rates, of the jobs that we wanted to do. So, and, and the days that we wanted to do them. And so I think that shift was, was huge. Um, and all of these new functionality uh, items were a lot more functionality than we expected. You know, we thought they were going to be small changes, but um, I mean, with those documents you were talking about, those test documents, and to give a little context on what, what we mean by that, um, the developer would basically, you know, build build the functionality with the code and they would say okay you know here it is go through it and see how it works is this the way you guys want it to work then we would have to report in a google doc of what we wanted changed what we wanted fixed what we wanted to see differently how we actually wanted it to work and that would essentially go back and forth every single day for i mean i i think six seven months was it something like that? Yeah, it was and, a long period of time. And for the first few months, it was hours. It was it was like, I mean, 15, 20 page documents back and forth every single time. And I mean, it, it's it's all what you sign up for. And that was another thing that we didn't really realize what we were signing up for. But it comes down to having the, the determination to continue through it because you you know what you want, you know what the goal is. And seeing that that light at the end of the tunnel and just trying to get to it no matter how many times you're pushed away from it um and that was it felt like almost every single week was we would be pushed five steps back then we would jump a couple steps forward then you know all that stuff but especially in the tech industry i mean that's what we've learned is uh development if you're not doing it on your own um, I know that can that can definitely change a lot of things, but that's also very difficult. You're still going to have issues. You're still going to um, have dilemmas on certain functionality on how you want it to work. You're going to over overthink certain things. Um, but it comes down to having that goal. And we had, I mean, we had a vision. We literally saw how we wanted it to work, or else it wouldn't have. We wouldn't have been able to ever launch. Um, so I don't know if you want to keep talking about that or uh, where you want to go from here. Yeah, I mean, it really does come down to that vision. And um, there was a couple of times just over the summer and uh, leading into the fall where we really took a step back and had to think is, are we taking the right moves? Is this really going to be worth it? Are we actually going to succeed? And um, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure, especially for a new entrepreneur who has a big vision 
Um, there was a lot of times like we'd be up late at night just trying to talk it through and figure out if this is actually something that we could actually get on the market and actually go across the nation with. And um, I think it really comes down to just having the entrepreneurship growth mindset because there's a ton of times that we've had, especially this year, where many people would have given up. And um, I mean, just financially, this is probably the lowest funds we've had um, in terms of being able to support the company and keep reinvesting. But that drive um, to succeed and fulfill our vision has kept us going through a lot of moments where we didn't think it was worth to keep going. Um, I remember we had a call with Randy and we were kind of giving the whole rundown of where we aren't really making that much money. We had a large burn rate that we couldn't afford to sustain. And at the time, he, he basically told us, like, you guys got to do an in-depth in-depth study into your company and figure out if it's actually going to work. And mm -hmm. I mean, after that call, we definitely, that was tough to hear. That was very, it was definitely very tough, tough to, to hear. hear. Yeah. Like we definitely had to take a step back and just kind of look at everything and figure out if it, if it was worth to keep going. And basically what we decided is, I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs who have gone through failures, who have um, had companies fail and then bounce back just because of pure determination and pure, um, pure dedication to what they're doing. And in terms of what we've done, we've we've dedicated pretty much the past four to five years of our life to growing this vision and getting this product made. And we really realized like it's not failure is not an option. I mean, we're going to have downfall. We're going to have downfalls. We're going to have times where we don't do as well as we think. But as long as we really dedicate our mindset to it, there's always a way that we can succeed. And that really helped shape the company where we're no longer this, um, this small startup who thinks they might succeed, but we know that we have a vision and we're going to do whatever it takes to reach that vision. And I think that conversation also helped us just become more dedicated to it and realize that it's do or die. Like if we want to make it and we want to do good and we want to get to where we want to be, we're going to have to put every ounce of dedication and um, just drive and most importantly, just belief that we actually can succeed. And uh, we've, I mean, that's something that we've been talking about a lot in the past couple of weeks and even the past month is just the power of your mindset and knowing that if you put your mind to something, you can accomplish it no matter what. And um, exactly. I mean, even in our, even in our daily lives, we've seen that improve everything. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's all about momentum too. Um, I think I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but um, I was going to do like I mentioned, Yeah. Yeah. If you want, I mean, I was going to mention the interview we just had came out of nowhere. Um, this, this lady just, I think it was a message on Facebook, right? Austin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it, it and I, I'll give you a little bit of context too, before that, like everything was, was going right after a long time where we were very down. I mean, just it, yeah. with everything, it was, it was our, our, our motivation, our mindset, everything was, it was very difficult to continue pushing forward and, you know, honestly, just making decisions on what to do next, because we, we had no idea where we were at. I mean, it was, yeah. this year has been like the craziest roller coaster that would probably have gotten shut down if, uh, if we would have died on it, if that makes sense. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, like, you know, everything was going right. And then it was, it was a weekend. I mean, I think it was like Saturday or Sunday and I look and I saw we had a notification on the gas money Facebook and it was just some random lady. We had never talked to her or whatever. She was like, you know, I'm, I work at a WNAM TV five, which is a, 
we didn't realize how big it was, but it's one of the biggest Michigan uh, news sources in, I think, east, southeastern Michigan. Uh, yeah, the Bay City, Saginaw area. Yeah, Bay City, Saginaw, Midland, Flint, all those different places. And um, I mean, I we didn't realize it until after the interview, actually, when we did research. But yeah, I was like, this is awesome. Uh, we would love to. At the time, I was like, it's just some small, you know, local TV source, but any exposure is great exposure. Um, that's another huge uh, marketing lesson in business. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, when when can we get this set up? And she said, basically, we have this show where we just bring on new things happening in the area um, around four o'clock every single day, uh, Monday through Friday. And we can do a Zoom um, so we can get you guys both on because obviously Rob is still down in Florida at this time. Um, and so we we set that up and not knowing in my head, I I don't know why I didn't think of this, but actually it was election day on Tuesday when we had the interview. And with the amount of people that watch the news on election day, I mean, that would have been a perfect choice, which I made that choice. We had the interview on Tuesday, but at the time of scheduling it, I didn't even think twice about it. So that was, that was pretty huge. But um, I mean, we get on and, you know, we, she didn't brief us at all or anything like that. Um, she was like, you know, I'll just, I'll go right in the questions is lighting good and everything. And she was taught, we couldn't even see them. I mean, it was just like our faces. We were kind of just talking to ourselves, like we're, what we're doing right now. And, uh, we just heard her voice and she went right into the questions and I mean, go, go, uh, in, in your thoughts of like what you were thinking, because we, we didn't even know the interview started and it did. <laughs> yeah. We basically hopped on and like, it was just this black screen and the lady was like, Hey, like I'm a so-and-so from WNEM TV five. Um, basically I'm just going to get the lighting set up and everything. And then I'll just ask you guys a couple questions and uh, you know, just give me some answers. So at first, like we'd never done an interview before like this. I mean, this was our first on the air um, TV interview. And luckily it was, I mean, it was pre-recorded. So we figured there was at least going to be some introductions and stuff before they started record recording. Yeah. But um, so basically the lady goes, yeah, so just tell us a little bit about your company. Well, I'm like, what is gas money? And I kind of gave her the normal spiel that we give people. Like I started out with our backgrounds, talked about how we were in high school looking to make money. Um, we bought a couple lawnmowers, um, yada, yada, and kind of went into the whole process of how we got the idea for the app and then um, the, the actual app itself. And I definitely was like very worried with it because I wanted to make sure like she kind of understood the company and the whole background and everything. And then once I finished talking, she goes, awesome. Like she, it was basically like that news, the newscaster response. Like you could tell as soon as she gave a response that we were actually in the interview and like it was started. And I was like, yeah. oh man, like I was talking way too much. And then basically she prompted Austin to answer the next question. And I think Austin, just like myself, we were both pretty thrown off guard because I mean, we didn't realize the interview had started. So we wanted to make sure now that the viewers were getting everything they needed to hear. But at the same time, we couldn't keep it too long because we had no idea how long a news interview was supposed to be. I mean, yeah. you always see clips of people talking on the news, but we didn't know if she was going to use the whole interview or what. So I think both of us were trying to get as much details out there as possible, but also mm -hmm. trying to keep it concise. Um, yeah. But it and, was just, and, it was weird too, because we couldn't see her at all. So we yeah. weren't getting any, any visual feedback or anything. We were basically just talking, like Austin said, almost to ourselves and yeah. uh, kind of giving the story of gas money. 
And she did a great job too, to help us out where not as in like pausing and saying, you know, all right, now we're going to go into this, but she would like, you know, cut us off um, where she got what she needed to hear. And then, you know, went back to the other person, went back to the other person. And we were on the zoom, I think for a total of like seven minutes, eight minutes or something like that. It was, it was like crazy fast. We jumped on like a minute or two or early. It was at 1 p.m. and she was already on there. And like we were saying, she went right into it. And then we were off at like 106 or 107. It was it was yeah, crazy. It was then way we too call. short. That's one thing we do. We we call after like every single meeting we have on the phone and just kind of talk about it. And we were just like nervous, honestly. We were like, dude, did we get everything that we wanted to say? Was it good? Like honestly, we didn't stutter at all or anything like that, which was perfect. Um, We didn't lose any trains of thought or anything, but we didn't know what was going to come about it. We didn't know what we were going to see on TV three hours later. And I mean, it was, it was crazy, honestly, to say the least. Um, Another piece of context, they asked uh, on, on the message on Facebook, they said, do we have permission to all your social medias? Um, to use all the media that we need to um, basically build the interview. And I was like, yeah, go for it. And so we didn't realize that they were going to pull a bunch of stuff and edit it all together to basically build the exact story that we wanted to put on the air. And that's exactly what they did. It was, it was perfect. I mean, we'll, we'll link the interview actually um, in the description. It's, it was, it was pretty cool um, to see what they did. It was, I mean, like we were saying, they reached out randomly we got almost five minutes of on the air time um, for free. And that's that's another thing too, with marketing um, and, and basically anything with a new business, you wanna try to get it out to as many people and get as much exposure as you can. And there's a lot of things out there that you can pay for. But if you can get certain things and build connections to get you in, in front of a lot of people for free, you can you can do a lot more than what you think and really put yourself five steps ahead where you would have been five steps ahead, but also in dollar signs behind um, if you were to have to pay for that. So that's that's really what we were talking about afterwards. Um, I mean, yeah, and I remember I was I was in class like when it was supposed to start. I think it was scheduled for 4 p.m. And um, like I got out of class. It hadn't started yet. They'd done a couple teasers and like me and Austin were, we were both super hyped. Like they're like, yeah, coming up next, the story about gas money. And uh, I just remember walking back from class. My heart was like, it was racing. Like, I think it was at like 140, 150 the whole time. And yeah. um, I finally got back and got back right in time for the interview to start. I was watching it on my phone. And at first I was just so surprised because like they included everything. They included the whole entire interview, even though we went on for minutes at a time and um, just the B-roll footage that they, that they pulled. They, uh, we made this YouTube video during COVID just kind of explaining, like, we're still here for you guys. Like um, we're still going to be doing jobs uh, once we're able to work again. And it had me, Austin, Alex, Joe, and Blaine, um, which those three are all friends from high school that worked with us. And it was so funny because we kind of set it up like a little interview in itself where we'd have each of them kind of explain like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm Alex with Gas Money. I'm uh, sharpening up my skills. so I'll be ready to do work at your house. And he was like cutting a bush or something. And we got to see all of them like on the news and just in the interview. And at the time, like I was just thinking back, like at, at that time when we recorded that little video, we never would have thought that they were going to be like 
300,000 people in a viewing area, like being able to see that and having that on the air. So that was like mm -hmm. a huge thing in itself. And then additionally, it also happened to be on election day for arguably one of the most important elections in recent history. And we got five minutes of airtime. So that was pretty crazy too, because um, I think the lady, she had asked us like what day for that week we wanted to do it. And we didn't even think about election day at all. We were just like, I think, I think Tuesday works good for us. Like Tuesday is probably the best. So let's do Tuesday at one. We'll do the interview and then we should be on the four o'clock show. So after we realized like there was a bunch of different campaign commercials and stuff during like the same news segment. And it was just crazy because there was probably like a majority of our target demographic on the news at that time, like seeing our story and seeing what we were doing. So that was also a huge thing. That was just yeah. really cool. It's, and it comes down to, you can always think certain things happen coincidentally. Um, but a lot of things that we've been talking about with the momentum that we've been having, um, it's the belief from when we made that, that little interview video on our Facebook and it got a lot of views at the time, which that was like one of our first big posts on our Facebook. Uh, and, but it was probably what a year, year and a half ago that we did yeah. make that post. And, but it's the belief that carried on from then to now. And then realizing that at the time when it's actually being seen by a lot of people, it's, it really, it's a very rewarding feeling. And, um, entrepreneurship is built up of a lot of bad feelings, a lot of hardship, um, but also a lot of rewarding feelings. Um, if you continue, that's the thing it's, you can make any decision in any situation, how it actually feels, or you can look forward to how it's going to feel when, you know, you, you build what you want and, uh, accomplish those goals that you put in front of yourself. Going back a little bit more context on that momentum, kind of where we're at currently, uh, it was probably two or three, maybe four weeks ago, I was in Petoskey, just went on a trip with uh, with my girlfriend. And who who would have thought that you would be making connections, you know, on a trip like that? But it's it's keeping yourself in that mindset where I personally don't like the word vacation. It sounds really weird, but I always look at those things like it's just a trip and a trip can be categorized in a bunch of different ways. Um, you know, it can be a business trip. It can be a, a getaway trip. It can be all of those certain things. But if you still keep your, yourself in that mindset that you are an entrepreneur, you are a business owner, you're there potentially to always make connections, then you will always find yourself in those positions. And that's kind of what we found. I mean, the first night I met a uh, teacher from Grand Blanc High School, which is actually just by Davison, which is the main place that we do a lot of our jobs in Genesee County in Michigan. And we met her at a, at a restaurant and we were out and we just started talking to her. She was like, yeah, I actually teach business and entrepreneurship at Grand Blanc High School. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really crazy. My girlfriend actually told me, you know, you got to talk to her because she ended up starting the conversation with her, just kind of talking about why they're there and everything and just meeting a new person. But then getting an in-depth conversation on, you know, the company that, that we started and realizing the situation at hand um, really kind of brings you to where you need to make that conversation go. 
And what I was looking for, um, I didn't even really prompt it, but what we've been wanting to do a lot more of with the marketing side of things is speak at different high schools and different colleges around the country at some point. Um, and you got to start somewhere. We did a, actually, we have a podcast up and a YouTube video of our little presentation at Davidson High School, which was great to do. Um, but that was, I mean, a year, a year ago, probably a year and a half ago too. So, mm -hmm. you know, realizing that that much time can happen in between before you see that next lead, before you see that next date that you could possibly do it again and then start that momentum over and keep that ball rolling was this situation. And I didn't even have to prompt it, but she automatically was like, you guys have to get set up at grand blank. I'll get you in whatever you need and we can set up a date to speak. And then I went and obviously said, yeah, we've already done that at Davison. We're really looking to do more of that. So that's just great that you say that. And going forward with the conversation i mean just having a conversation and all the all the people with businesses or that are interested in business um when you can talk to somebody that has that same mindset that has that same drive um which is very different than a lot of people it's it's pretty easy to get caught up in conversation and continuing that conversation and a lot of these conversation skills were taught to us by building gas money and doing gas money jobs and all that stuff. That's what we, our main promotion for why contractors, you know, what they're going to get out of this. And then, you know, the, the momentum just kept going on that same night. Uh, it was actually introduced to their friend that was there on a wedding trip. They weren't even, they didn't even know that they were going to be there, but they ended up showing up at that restaurant. They were only there for the weekend. And we actually were able to connect with them, which he is the, uh, he's high up. I think he's either an executive or the CEO of the food banks of Michigan, uh, which is super cool. I knew nothing about it. So, you know, knowing me, liking to talk a lot, just uh, wanted to ask him, you know, what it was all about, what his story is. And actually getting that connection then led to another uh, opportunity for us to go on their podcast, which is called Food First, little shout out. Um, where they talk about, you know, certain ways that they can lift people up out of poverty um, and do those kinds of things. And they actually said that they wanted us to be on that show as well. So all of these things happen in such a short amount of time. It just, it just comes down to the execution and, you know, the follow-ups and setting up the dates because a lot of people, they have these conversations, they talk to these people, um, they get these resources, but they don't do anything about it. And then that's what can put you back down to those low points in the entrepreneurial path. Um, and so continuing that, and then that's kind of where we are today. Um, I don't know if you want to go into what you uh, were exposed to literally the week after that. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of crazy. There's So basically, there's this entrepreneurship club at FSU. And um, I mean, I've always, this semester especially, I've been trying to find new ways to get involved. I mean... Um, I just applied for the uh, commercial entrepreneurship minor. I've been taking a couple classes um, towards that and just trying to get more involved in general and meet more connections. And there was basically a meeting at the beginning of the semester um, for the CEO club, they call it it's the Colligate Entrepreneurship Society or no, something, something like that. I can't remember that. I think it was organization, not society, CEO. But basically, it's just entrepreneurs who meet every I think Monday or Tuesday and basically just talk about entrepreneurship. 
So their first meeting was scheduled. I think it was like 6 p.m. on a Monday and um, they posted on their Instagram. So I walked to the Innovation Hub, which is the building on FSU where it was supposed to be held. And like I walk in, I say, hey, I'm here for the CEO meeting. And they're like, uh, they're like, what? And I go, oh, the CEO club. I think they have a meeting tonight. And they were like, no, like we don't, we don't know anything about that club. Or I don't know. The girl behind the counter like had no idea what I was talking about. So I was like, well, that kind of sucks. So I laughed and then like looked on the Instagram. It still said it was supposed to be there, but um, never ended up going because I couldn't figure out where it was. And then the next month, like they didn't post anything on their Instagram. I messaged them. I was like, hey, I was looking to join, looking to go to meetings. Um, didn't get a message back. And then finally, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, they posted, hey, we're having a meeting again in the Innovation Hub, um, 6 p.m. Feel free to come. We're going to have a guest speaker, um, Jackie Levy, and he's going to talk about his company, Athlogic. And um, I saw the post on the day of the meeting. I think it was like two hours before. And I go, oh, there's a guest speaker like that might be cool. But at the same time, I was also really, really busy with school. And a big part of me wanted to just lay down in bed, um, take a nap or something, and then just focus on schoolwork for the rest of the day. Like I really was not in the mood to go drive across campus and go to the meeting. But as soon as I was like about to lay down, I was like, what if I met somebody at the meeting that could change my life or give us a connection for gas money or just help us in general? And that like small chance, not even a small chance, just the chance of meeting somebody and making a new connection like that. Basically, like I forced myself to go to the meeting because if I didn't, I would always wonder if I would have met somebody that would have helped us. So basically, I went to the meeting. Um, I sit down and immediately uh, once once Jackie started talking, he was on Zoom, but I could tell like he definitely had a similar mindset to Austin and I. And basically he was an FSU alumni. Um, I think he graduated like a couple years before we graduated high school. He's 24 right now. And he kind of told us the story of how um, he was always into sports when he was growing up and he was really passionate about analytics. And he used this knowledge and this passion to actually build an app designed for high school football teams to record stats on the go and then send those stats out to colleges for recruitment, um, almost like huddle, but more, more advanced in a way, uh, more accessible for these high schools. And he said during the, the presentation that he has over 12% of the high schools in the United States using his app already. And I was like, wow, if we could get 12% of the counties in the United States to use gas money, like that would insanely be helpful to our company like that would help us grow so much and as he was going on he asked like the audience he was like um, does anybody here have a tech business and I hesitated for a second I have no idea why and then I was like yeah like I have a tech business and he goes well go ahead and explain it so I kind of gave him like a small like elevator pitch about gas money pretty much like how we started what the app is and then what our mission is moving forward and he was like wow man like that's super awesome. Definitely like connect with me after the meeting and we'll hop on a call or something. And like, right after that happened, I was like, yep. Like I knew there was a reason that I was supposed to go to this meeting. So uh, after his presentation, I sent him an email. I was like, Hey Jackie, it's Robert. Um, I was the guy that talked about my startup at your presentation. Uh, I'd love to hop on the phone with you sometime with my co-founder and talk a little more and get to know your story. So the next morning he texts me, he's like, hey, Robert, this is Jackie. I've got about an hour or I, he said a half hour to an hour to talk with you guys um, just to talk about your company and everything. And uh, I'd love to hop on the phone. So we set up the meeting for seven and then we ended up talking for two and a half hours just about 
what we should do moving forward. Um, he gave us a bunch of lessons and he actually like wrote a whole list of notes of next steps for us to take and sent it over to us. And like, I think that's definitely been one of the most valuable meetings we've gotten so far because he had so much knowledge about coding, about how to scale an app, about how to do good business. And overall just gave us a good sense of direction at a time where we were kind of lacking direction. And um, I mean, since then we've had so many different things come up that have been beneficial for us. Uh, I recently applied to an entrepreneurship competition um, in the FSU School of um, Entrepreneurship, Jim Moran College, and I'm waiting on a response from that, but just the able, we've been making so many connections and everything, it's been awesome, and it seems like it's all happened within a very short amount of time, and uh, kind of going back what I said earlier, it's, I think it really comes down to just momentum, and almost in a way like manifesting new connections and new ways to grow. And it's just seemed like we had a huge downward trend throughout the summer, um, just being stuck on working on version two, not expanding at all. But since we kept um, like we kept going, we didn't give up at all. We kept our dedication at a full high. Um, it really shows that it does pay off because now we're actually starting to make so many more connections and it, it just looks really good for the future. And it's crazy. Everything, all the connections we've made in such a short amount of time. Exactly. It's, it's been pretty crazy um, this last like month, month and a half. Um, and I kind of wanted to end it on this, just a little motivational thing. But what you said about, you know, you were busy with school and all that stuff. You just wanted to lay down, kind of take a breather. Um, it's reality. It's life. It's being a human. And that's what a lot of whoever's listening, you know, I, I would tell this to anybody just to their face that's that's getting an entrepreneurship or is an entrepreneur and doesn't know which way to go or they're they're on a great path, you know, directly towards wherever they want to be. But it does come down to you're going to have a lot of human feelings, a lot of emotions, a lot of a lot of things that the human body tells you to do is what you you don't want to do. You know what what you think um is going to get you to the next step is everything that your body doesn't want you to do. You know, it's, it puts you in an uncomfortable state. Um, everything that the human body is telling you to do is to be comfortable um, because that's, that's the way that the body is. And I think that a lot of people need to hear just, you're going to have those feelings. Uh, you're never going to be able to not fall for all of them. Um, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to have to take breaks uh, and all of the, all that, but, um, that kind of comes down to like the whole work-life balance thing. You know, um, I think Jackie actually talked about this too, and it, it, it comes down to work-life balance in my head is pretty skewed towards, uh, kind of the nine to five, you get a job and you have to balance out everything. You know, work is basically a whole different sector of your life, but, in business, in entrepreneurship, work is on the same exact path of your life. And you, you have to realize that, um, but you still have to kind of figure out your own balance. Um, it's going to be different for everybody. And you just have to figure out what works for you, but you have to put in the work. You have to work late. You have to get up early. Um, or, you know, actually, Rob and I, I think this is one of our biggest differences. Uh, it's basically finding that balance, but the the uh, efficiency and the productivity time can be completely different. 
you know, Rob likes to stay up late and work literally till two, three in the morning and get the most done that he did during or throughout the day at that time of night, which I think it's, it's crazy to me because I, at that time, I'm just either checked out or sleeping normally. And I think that I'm the most productive either late in the morning or just throughout the day in general. And you, you really have to just make it work, especially if you have a co-founder or a group of people that you're working with to reach a certain goal. Um, everything has to work for them. And then you have to make it work for the team and work for the company. Uh, and, exactly. and really, yeah. I was going to say it really just comes down to what works best for you. I mean, mm -hmm. it, in, especially in entrepreneurship, everybody makes it seem like you have to get up at 6 a.m. every day and start working and just grind in the morning, get all your work done. And then the rest of the day, focus on just daily things um, throughout your life and then go back to working. And it, it's really whatever works best for you. I mean, I've tried getting up early before and working and it just does not work. Um, and like Austin said, like 12 a.m. or yeah, 12 a.m. to like three in the morning, like I am so much more productive for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because it's dark outside or what, but that's my most productive time. And I think a lot of times as I was growing up, I, uh, I would do, I would try and do my work in the morning and everything, and it just never worked out for me. So it really just comes down to figuring out that sweet spot. And then another thing, like Austin was saying about the mind, um, I mean, your mind is really, it can be either your greatest enemy or your best friend. And what I mean by that is if you allow your thoughts and emotions to take over and you feel like too tired to do something, or you really just don't want to do it in general, and you decide not to do it, you're missing out on opportunities that could arise if you actually put in the effort and put in the time to do it. And I mean, the reason I think so many successful entrepreneurs are so wealthy and have grown so much is because they've overcame their emotions. And it's really a hard task to do. I mean, a business is on my mind pretty much 24-7. And I think that's one of the hardest parts about being an entrepreneur and being in business is you'll be like eating food or you'll be out with your friends and all of a sudden you'll just become fixated on something deep in thought about either what's going on with your business or a new business idea that you have and it's really it's like the most work you'll ever do in your life in terms of choosing between a nine to five or running your own business because it's always on your mind even if mm -hmm. you're not actively working on it it's always taking up that mind power um, you're always looking for new ways to innovate new ways to grow and um, honestly, at first, I didn't like it. It was pretty tiring. I mean, it still can be tiring at times, but it's very, it's, um, it's exhausting all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all the time. It's, it's just on your mind. But once you reach a certain point, I think Austin and I have definitely um, reached the point where we're fully committed to gas money. We're fully committed to just entrepreneurship in general. Um, you end up almost being addicted to it. Um, I think I mean, it, it, I don't know if it makes sense to most of the listeners out there, but um, once you feel a taste of success, like with us in the news interview we just had, uh, I mean, it's not like we were on national television, but we were on a pretty big news channel, and that's definitely the biggest interview we've had so far. It makes you so much more hungry to go on more interviews or to get more success, and that's kind of the, the effect of entrepreneurship is once you feel success and once you have a better sense of direction of where you want to go um, that takes up a majority of your mindset moving forward because you've proven to yourself that you can have a small victory so why not dedicate yourself to having an even larger victory and uh, exactly. I mean that's one of the coolest things about entrepreneurship that we've kind of learned and like Austin said too it takes time and dedication 
when we first started out, I mean, if we were in the situation that we are now, like two years ago, we definitely would have cleared up, like quit already. And I don't think we would have made it this far at all. It's, it's learning to overcome challenges, not let them set you back. And just kind of having, like, I know we've said a lot, but having a good mindset about it and learning that with whatever situation you get, even if you don't have control over that certain situation, you have full control over how you react to it and how you perceive it. And if you have a setback and you think, man, there's no way I'm going to recover from this, I think it's time to let, let back and uh, jump out of the company. And you do that, then you're allowing your negative thoughts and your mind to take over. But if you instead use that setback as motivation to do even better next time and to learn from your mistakes, then you're actually progressing yourself forward through your failures and using them as lessons. Exactly. And I think this is a perfect time to uh, definitely wrap this one up. I, I think we're going to do a lot more of this. And uh, it honestly helps a little bit us just kind of gather our thoughts and um, experiences and kind of uh, put it out there, because that's the biggest thing that we want to do with gas money is educate and um, help you guys kind of learn through our experiences and then provide those experiences in your life as you execute and move towards your goals to accomplish. Um, and I think a little little quote just to kind of end things up, um, basically about quitting. Uh, you know, it's it, you're never done until you decide for yourself that it's time to give up. Uh, nobody else is going to do that. And also nobody else is going to move you forward. So why give up when you can always make the decision to move forward? So exactly. I think this is, this is a perfect time. And, uh, you know, like, like we always say, if you guys um, have anything to tell us or anything to ask, uh, leave a comment, leave a like, subscribe if you want to hear more of this and uh, follow our story. But um, yeah, I mean, as we always say, Rob, go get that gas, go get money. that gas money. All right. We'll see you guys in the next one.